This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. It's Lauren Jacobs here with Voice of Change. Welcome to the show this week. And as I promised you last week, which created a little bit of a excitement and a stir, is that we're going to be talking about some very, very important research. And we're going to be talking about a topic that has really gripped Christian teachings, as well as Christian denominations and circles for many, many decades. And that is purity culture, as well as the reality of what is the dating rules look like in Christian circles? How should we be talking about clothing choices and modesty? How do we talk about sex or how do we protect our daughters from this? And of course, I want to say that Today on the show, we're going to be talking about daughters and women in particular and girls. We're going to be talking about that. But we know that sex and purity culture, dating rules are also for men and for boys. But today on the show, we want to equip our daughters to thrive, to be strong, to be confident and to be equipped to step into the life that God has created for them. And what do we want to do with that? Well, we want to say, hey, Armed with research, armed with data, armed with, you know, experiences from real life Christian women. How can we be doing better when it comes to the purity culture, when it comes to modesty, when it comes to dating relationships and how we really steward that information with our daughters, with our nieces, our granddaughters, with the generation that we are and the trauma that we've inherited through really bad teachings or teachings that were harmful to us and teachings that we are giving to others that can be harmful, particularly when it comes to modesty, sex and purity. And those are three big, big topics. So today on the show, I'm welcoming the most amazing human being, Sheila Gregor, and she is the face behind to love, honor, and vacuum.com, which is the largest single blogger marriage blog that's ever, ever been, and, that, and maybe that ever will be. But to date, she is the largest single blogger that's writing about marriage. She's also an award winning author. She's written nine books, including The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. And she is a sought after speaker. She has humor. She's got a no nonsense approach, which you will, you know, hear today on the show which is incredible. And like I said, Sheila is filled with so much humor and just openness to have hard discussions. She's also very, very passionate about bringing and changing the evangelical conversation around sex, around marriage to line up with kingdom principles. And she has two adult daughters and two grandbabies. And she's very, very passionate about women and women being set free and girls being set free. And so she is just my stellar guest on the show today to talk about a topic that is filled with a little bit of controversy and a little bit of hardship, a topic that is hard to talk about and sometimes that people shy away from. And that is why we need to have it today on Voice of Change. And so Sheila is going to be joining me to talk about how we can do better and how we can really empower our daughters when it comes to the conversation of sex, modesty, purity, and all that follows. So don't get anywhere, Sheila's with me after this. It's going to be such a great show today. I am really, really looking forward to our topic of conversation, which I've been sharing with you all about in the introduction to the show earlier on. But I want to welcome my guest, Sheila, with me today. Sheila, it is so good to be back with you and really to be touching on a topic that I think should be spoken about 
more often in more places with more people and especially among young people because wow what we've been taught about you know purity modesty sex it's just craziness but Sheila before we get into that welcome to the show I hope that you are doing good and I hope that the family are all well and you've got some grandbabies and it's just been a amazing lots of things have happened since we've lost catch up or caught up <laughs> yes no it's so great to be back with you again yeah I'm excited for this conversation <laughs> mm, so tell us a little bit about before we get into you know the topic and you know raising girls to resist this toxic Christian teachings about sex about themselves about speaking up how did you decide that this was going to be kind of the next thing that you were going to be doing of course you've written so many books and we've had so many discussions but what happened with this? Was this something that you felt God just led you to do? Or was it something that you began to witness and see and go, actually, this is something we need to talk about? Yeah. So, well, I've, I've been on your show talking about our book, The Great Sex Rescue, which was based on our interviews with 20,000 women, our survey of 20,000 women, and then subsequent focus groups, looking at how key evangelical messaging around sex really hurt women's marital and sexual satisfaction. And when that book came out, we were inundated with women telling us, this is so validating. This is so freeing. I love this. But now I have absolutely no idea how to talk to my daughter because I I don't want her to hear the purity culture, the harmful, shameful stuff that I was taught. But at the same time, I don't want to teach promiscuity either. So I don't know where that middle ground is. Um, and we just, we, we had so much of that, that we thought, okay, we, we've got to do something different. So we surveyed another 7,000 women <laughs> this time, this time looking specifically at their experiences as teens in Christian circles and specifically evangelical circles. So that again, we can measure what are the effects long-term effects on women's self-esteem effects on um, the quality of their marriages uh, effects on their likelihood of marrying an abuser. <laughs> like, like how mm. did, how did things happen long-term when we're taught certain things as teens? Mm. Wow. And so important. And again, this is all going to be in the book, She Deserves Better, which is coming out in April. So we're going to not be giving too much away because we really want you to read the book. But Sheila, basically, without giving too much away, of course, what did you really discover? Because I want to say that uh, I spoke to you, I shared a little bit with you before we got on air about when I came into Christianity, which was about 2002, as a 17-year-old that had been raised in a non-Christian family, I would consider a very normal family, a very open family, where, you know, there were lots of discussions and lots of uh, just things. And I, I loved how my parents raised me because it was always, everything was always open and it wasn't like, you didn't have to fear anything and there was no like fearful teachings, you know, but I kind of, when I was 17, I my friends were really uh, quite scared of you know sex and not just talking about it. I mean no one was talking about it but it was like scary and there was a purity movement and everyone was buying those rings that they were putting on and reading that book by Joshua Harris called I Kiss Dating Goodbye which is a whole nother topic and uh, it, it was just it it was quite crazy because it was like a movement that was happening and Today, subsequently, I've, you know, with friends and people that I know have met so many people that have said how damaging it was to them. So 
And, and today, mm-hmm. how many people have actually fallen away from their faith because of those teachings? Now, what really did you ladies discover when you went into this and started surveying and started seeing actually maybe it seems quite negative. So what did you ladies discover actually? Well, let's let's just make some definitions, first of all, because when people hear a discussion about how purity culture did harm, they often think that what we're saying is that any teaching that sex belongs in marriage does harm. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that there was a whole bunch, this whole package of teachings that that went with purity culture that went so far beyond that Mm. and really presented sex as something which was threatening or shaming our bodies as something which were inherently Iedereen en Zeet was aan jou gebring met die complimenten van Radio Kaapse Kansel 728 that's got nothing to do with the gospel. Mm. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Like that's the gospel. Mm. And we taught girls that it is very easy to lose everything good that can ever happen to you. Mm. Wow. That's so important. And what you were saying is that we kind of were taught and we hear these messages still today that you are harmful or your body is harmful or you know there's very strict guidelines on things to do but yet it comes with the message of you know your body is a certain way and you need to always cover it up or you need to do this or you need to do that and what I wanted to ask you was you know we had this whole, the no kissing before marriage. This was like the dating rule in like those two thousands that I was referring to was like, okay, you know, this, you don't even, you don't even look at one another. You don't even spend time together. It's kind of like you need a chaperone, but these things have largely gone by the wayside as well now today. And again, what you're saying is that no one is saying that purity and, you know, the beauty of sex within marriage is, a bad thing. We're not saying, oh, we, we're bringing the pendulum to the other side. But largely, it seems like it's gone that way with many people where they've gone, okay, that purity culture was so damaging. Now we're going the other side. But what dating rules can we then really teach to our daughters and that would work in the long term without being damaging to them or to, you know, their spouses or their future? Well, that's really an interesting question. And and in fact, that the answer to that question kind of encapsulates the whole issue. So here we go. We we um, asked women, you know, did you have a rule against dating? Were you allowed to date in high school? And did you date in high school? Mm. And what we found is that there is no one formula that works for everything. Now, if you want, if your main thing, if the main thing that you want is for your daughter to get married a virgin, then yes, telling her that she's not allowed to date and having her not date, it works. Absolutely. So in that sense, purity culture works and worked. But what if that's not the only thing that matters? And that's really the question we're asking and she deserves better is like, is the only thing that matters her virginity? 
Hmm. Or are we also concerned with her self-esteem long-term? Because when you have positive self-esteem, you're more likely to make good decisions. You're more likely to have fewer sexual partners. You're more likely to um, not get involved in drugs and alcohol. You're more likely to have better mental health. You're more likely to get a better job. Like Self-esteem matters. So do we care about her self-esteem long-term? Do we care about her ability to get married if she wants to get married? Hmm. Because that's something that nobody ever thought of. You know, um, do we care about whether or not she's likely to marry an abuser? And so if you look at more than just the one outcome variable, if there's more that we want than just whether or not she is a virgin when she gets married, then the best scenario, the one that hits the most home runs, not all of them, but the most Mm -hmm. is being allowed to date, but choosing not to. Mm -hmm. And that's something that parents can't control. So that's a hard thing for a parent to hear, I think, is you actually can't control it. The only thing that you can do is keep conversations with your daughters open. So the point is, you're not forbidding her from dating. What you're doing is you're having open conversations that so that the decisions that she makes are based on wisdom for herself. Mm. Wow. I love, love, love that. And you know what? That's it's so important. I I want to give almost a shout out to my parents. I mean, they weren't saved, but they really had that open door policy where it was like, come and have honest conversations with us, you know. And I think that my parents were also fearful of certain things and and of certain things happening to me because I had rules that my brother didn't have, which I kind of found weird, right? I'm I'm sure you found that as well <laughs> with women. It's like, oh. You know, our, our brothers could do like X, Y, and Z, but like as a girl, I couldn't do X, Y, and Z. It was like that whole fear, even though, you know, maybe my family weren't Christians, like there was still that fear. There's still that that purity fear. There was all of that that was happening. And I want to ask you really to be honest with us because I hear also still today a lot of purity culture teachings. It's still going on. It's still happening. Yes, it was big, you know, 20 years ago, but uh, some of those teachings haven't gone away, and especially in certain denominations and certain, uh, you know, faith groups and circles. What is some of the most damaging effects of the purity culture teachings? And, you know, how are they affecting young girls and even women, you know, like in their 30s and 40s? What are the outcomes of these teachings Mm-hmm. Well, basically the most damn, so we measured a whole bunch of different teachings, but on the whole, the most damaging teachings that we found were what we called the modesty messages. Mm-hmm. We measured four different iterations of the modesty message. So the idea that a girl is responsible for dressing modestly so that she doesn't cause a boy to stumble or, you know, the, just th- those kinds of messages that we hear. And if a girl believes that, it is highly implicated in the fact that evangelical women have twice the rate of sexual pain as the general population. So it's highly related to vaginismus. Mm. You have a much more increased chance of getting it if you believe the modesty message. Um, You have much lower self-esteem if you believe that as a teenager and those lower effects of self-esteem continue even into adulthood, even if you don't believe those messages today. So even if you've decided, you know what, that was wrong for me to have been taught that I am not responsible for what boys think, your self-esteem still takes a hit from being taught that as a teenager. 
And it impacts the quality of your relationships. It impacts your marital satisfaction, even as an adult. So we have to think about ways to word these things where we are not focused on telling girls that they are a threat or that they are dangerous simply because of how they're made. And we instead focus on telling girls that they are precious and that it's okay to want to protect yourself. See, we taught a whole generation of girls, your job is to protect your virginity, Hmm. but we never taught our girls, your job is to protect yourself. It's okay to protect yourself. Mm. Mm. What kind of shocking quote, if you found any, did you find in Christian resources that were marketed to young girls? Because that's something that I want to know as well. When we're talking about self-esteem, some people would probably say, oh, you know, okay, yeah, self-esteem, I get that. But there's a lot of good books out there that are talking about how to you know, do this correctly. And I, I have some, I don't want to mention any names of any books, Sheila, that are <laughs> a little bit skew, like awry, as we would say, but I know that there are a lot out there and a lot that is marketed to young girls who's still teaching certain things. Did you find some shocking quotes? Because I know when we last spoke and we were talking about the surveys that you did with 20,000 women and looking at the resources that were there about sex there were really shocking quotes and not only shocking quotes, but shocking books that were written and messages that were given. Now we're talking about young girls. We're talking about, you know, their modesty. We're talking about sexuality. Did you find again that there were shocking quotes and books and resources teaching things that can actually be really damaging? Oh, we sure did. Now, a lot of these books were really popular in the 2000s, like sort of 2000 to 2010. They're not as popular now. What happens now is that girls are getting most of their information from social media and the people they follow on Instagram. Hmm. But what you'll find is when you look at these Instagram feeds, they're still sharing the same messages. So I'll share with you some of the quotes from these books. But just understand that even if these books aren't still selling, these same teachings are still heavily in our churches. We've measured it. It's still there. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So here's some examples. These these ones are from For Young Women Only by Shanti Felden. Um, so she's, she supposedly interviewed a whole bunch of, or surveyed a whole bunch of boys. I, I've taken a look at her survey questions. They really weren't well done. And so, um, I'm going to tell you some numbers, but the, I do not believe these are accurate. And I don't believe that her survey question was well done, but she did ask boys, you know, if you're in a makeout situation with a girl who's willing to go, you know, who's willing to keep going, how likely is it that you're going to feel responsible to stop or want to stop? Mm-hmm. And from those boys' answers, she concluded that 82% of boys feel little ability and have little responsibility to stop in a makeout situation. And then she shared this quote from a boy in her focus groups who basically said, um, if you want to stop, it's safest to not even start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, just think about mm-hmm. what that is saying. 82% of boys feel little ability or little responsibility to stop. Are we really willing to say that 82% of boys mm. don't have an ability to stop? Mm. Yeah. Like that's rape culture. That is straight yeah, up rape definitely. culture. And and then to quote this boy, if you want to stop, it's safest to not even start. We talked to so many women who were date raped as teens and they felt it was their fault mm. because they had let him start. And then he got quote unquote carried away. 
and the women thought it was their fault. Hmm. And it was our Christian resources that primed them for that. Um, Or think about this one also in the same book. She was talking about how boys require unconditional respect. Okay. Unconditional respect. Girls need to show boys, not even your boyfriends, just the boys around you, unconditional respect. And she said, um, if you're, if you're wondering if you've been disrespectful, here's a hint, look for anger. Wow. So she's saying, if a boy is angry at you, that's a sign you've disrespected him. Wow. Can you imagine? Yeah. Telling teenage girls that if a boy is angry at them, it's your fault. Mm. Can we not see how that is setting girls up to to be with abusers? Absolutely. And again, this book was marketed to 14, 15, 16-year-old girls. Mm. You know, but to make it even worse. Um, (laughs) So Dana Gresh... Uh, who wrote the book And the Bride Wore White. And she also had a modesty curriculum that was very popular called Secret Keeper Girl. Um, It was also an event all across North America that focused on girls' modesty. And Secret Keeper Girl was for girls 8 to 12. Mm -hmm. And in that book, she told girls that your belly is intoxicating to grown men. And so you need to wear clothes that cover your belly. Wow. And she defined intoxicating as being out of control, like Mm. men feel when they are drunk. So we told eight-year-old girls that if men saw their bellies, they would get out of control. Mm. That's horrifying. Yeah. I feel like I I need a break. (laughs) I need a break right now. No, this is, and again, we have a lot of, you know, I don't want to use the word revelation, but a lot of people, women specifically, that have been saying over the last few years and then have come up and revealed their stories of abuse, you know, within the church as well. Like being a young woman in a church and being abused by a, a pastor or a leader or faith leader. Now, the message that's coming out of this book sounds like it. it's almost a message that says, actually, you know, as a young girl, if you're like eight years old and you are showing your belly, it's like, oh, well, that's going to make men, specifically even older men, like feel intoxicated towards you. And it's placing the blame then again, almost onto you as this young girl and going, well, actually you weren't dressed properly. And again, then that goes back to that whole stereotypes that we have about rape. What was she wearing when she got raped or what was she doing? You know, and that thing of going, what was she wearing is such a prominent question that gets asked among women who are raped. And I, I was a trauma counselor and worked with rape survivors. So one of the things was, was what, what was she wearing? You know, was she alone? Where was she walking? There's that blame shifting. And it's hard, I think, for a lot of people to hear this. They are hearing quotes and messages coming from Christian books. And I think it's hard sometimes for them, for many people to deal with, because they go, well, what does this actually mean now? Because maybe I read these resources or maybe I'm giving them out to young girls. And I think that that also causes that, that complexity within people when they hear this and they go, actually, I've been the one that's been sharing these resources, but this is really quite damaging. Isn't it? Sheila, like, these messages, these quotes, 
this is very intense. It is. And I just, I, I just want to say that I know it's really confusing because so many of us grew up in this. This is all we heard. And so what are we supposed to stay, say instead? And that's what we're hoping we can start a new conversation with She Deserves Better is to show, hey, here's a way to honor our daughters and to raise them up to be everything they're meant to be in Christ without trying to make girls small, without putting the blame for other people's sins, let alone adult men's sins on small girls' heads. Like there is another way. And it's a way that's rooted in scripture. It's rooted in Christ, but it is not rooted in shame. It's mm. not rooted in blame. And we need to find that other root. So it's okay to have done it wrong in the past. We all did. I certainly did. Yeah. But now we can do it better. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, you know, with that, we're going to go to a quick music break, but I don't want you to go anywhere because when we get back, we're going to be talking about that. How do we start a new conversation? What kinds of conversations can you be having with the daughters in your family, maybe your nieces, your goddaughters? And how do we start this new conversation? What can it look like? So don't go anywhere because Sheila and I are still here and just enjoy some music, sit back, relax, and maybe think about what we've been saying because I feel like I deserve a good old break now. My mind is going crazy. We'll see you when we get back. You're with me, Lauren Jacobs here on Voice of Change today. I hope that you've been with myself and Sheila Gregor all the way from the beginning talking about You know, the messages that maybe you heard when you were growing up about purity and modesty and about our bodies and the messages that we teach as well. And I cannot say that enough because I know a lot of women who lead other women and who lead young girls and who are working in the communities and who are doing such great work among young women in the communities. But it is so important that we know what messages we are teaching and what we are giving out. Sheila, that brings me to asking you, just before we went to the music break, you were saying, how do we have these conversations? Can we create a new message? That is what the book, She Deserves Better, is all about. That's coming out in April. But Sheila, just to give us some tips, maybe there are people who are listening who lead young women's groups or do work in the community among young girls. Or maybe you just want to have a conversation with your daughter or your niece or your granddaughter or goddaughter. How do we begin to have this kind of conversation where we want to help women have this amazing self-esteem. That's the goal at the end. But with our daughters, we want them to have good self-esteem. And we also want them to know that their their body is not this threat. And we also want women to, to be healthy in the area of sexuality, but also rooted in kingdom principles. So how do we begin to have a better conversation? It seems quite daunting to unlearn all those old things, but it seems possible too. Mm -hmm. Well, a couple of quick things. First of all, knowledge is not a bad thing. I think we have been so fearful that if we talk to our girls in real terms about sex, about their bodies, et cetera, it means they're going to act on it. Mm -hmm. I remember when my youngest was 14, um, she came home from summer camp. And at that point, I was starting to speak about sex. Um, I had written a book about sex for adult women. And so her impression of me was that I was totally cool about this. And so she starts prattling on about how she was so unimpressed with the sex talk at camp. And next year, I really needed to give it because, you know, they were talking about, they weren't even talking about 
masturbation and they weren't even talking about oral sex and didn't, you know, didn't they realize that these were the real problems that, that her friends were having. And I didn't even know that my daughter knew those words yet. <laughs> so <laughs> I was trying to keep my face totally blank because I'm the cool mom and not freak out. Um, but what I now know is that I wish I had talked to her about these things even earlier than 14. So I'm glad she felt that I was a safe person to come to. Um, but our girls need to know these things. And the, the neat thing is um, we looked at sex ed, for instance, there's a real generational divide. Like I'm, I'm Gen X mm-hmm. and Gen X women tended to have really good sex ed. Millennial women did not because the church largely stopped giving comprehensive sex ed and they replaced sex ed with fear tactics with just simply the the don't have sex message. And so a lot of girls grew up not knowing anything about sex. When you do that, girls are actually more likely to have multiple sexual partners. They're more likely to be in abusive relationships. Like there is no downside to sex ed when we measured it. It gives you higher self-esteem. It makes you less likely to marry an abuser. Um, Like there is no downside to giving your kids knowledge. Uh, And so instead of being so afraid of what our daughters are going to do, let's have faith in our daughters and realize that I can teach my daughter wisdom and I can help my daughter learn how to, you know, figure out what toxic relationships are and learn how to make good decisions about what people that she hangs out with. And that is your job. It's not to be scared of what your daughter's going to do. It's to be excited about how to teach her how to make good decisions because she can, she can be really wise. Um, but the way that we talk about things, whenever we give a fear-based message or a threat-based message. So for instance, whenever we say, um, here's a threat-based message. Um, If you have sex with someone before you're married, you're going to ruin your sex life. And you'll never enjoy the benefits that God wants for you. Whenever we give those kinds of messages where there is a threat, we end up doing harm long-term. And it backfires. Hmm. And we just need to be aware of that because you can give a message about sex, which is full of hope, which is something like, you know, God made something to be beautiful and it's supposed to be sacred in marriage. And so, you know, let's figure out how you can set good boundaries. What kind of boundaries you want for yourself as you walk through life with God? You know, what kind of people you want to be around? Are these people that are going to respect your boundaries? Are you going to be able to respect theirs? And have those kinds of conversations instead of threat-based. Wow, that's so important. And I love that because I've met a lot of women and actually I I must say some men as well who grew up in the purity culture and they have shared that when they became adults and even when they were married, they actually needed counseling to undo a lot of those threat-based messages that they had heard. Because even though they were married, you know, they had heard messages that, you know, sex is bad or sex is evil. Or if you, if you do it, you know, when you're young and you're not married, you're going to go to hell. Or there were very fear-based messages. And I have met people who have heard those messages. And even later in life, you know, those messages, like I'm saying, even though they're married or have, you know, been in a marriage relationship for a long time, they still hear these messages in their heads even though it was spoken long ago. And I think that that's the trauma of fear as well. And especially when you're a young teenager 
and maybe your parents are super fearful and they tell you these things, it sticks, doesn't it? It sticks into the brain and sometimes it can cause all kinds of of thoughts of I of like, I don't know, who even am I? Am I allowed to be having sex? What am I supposed to be doing? And I think that I wanted to bring that up because sometimes people listening could sometimes be feeling that and have all kinds of confusing messages in their brains. And then they go, why do I feel this way? Or why am I stuck in this? But actually something was taught to you when you were younger that was actually quite damaging. And I think that we really need to take that to heart as people who are listening to you sharing with us today that this is what we may be inherited, but what we could be doing to our children as well. And that's what we should stop too. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, something that we like to say on the Bear Marriage Podcast. So I have a podcast every week where we talk about this stuff. Um, and I said this and she deserves better as well in our new book mm-hmm. is that our purity is not based on what we do with our bodies. Our purity is based on what Jesus did with his. Mm-hmm. And we get that so backwards because we think purity is something you can lose. And so we're always teaching our girls that you need to hold on to your purity. And that's so incredibly backwards because often what we mean by that is virginity. But if that's our definition of purity, then your purity can be stolen from you. And yet you're still impure. Mm. It's just really wrong. And so we need to look instead, not on what our bodies have done, but on what decisions we are making today. Because the other thing, this is really important too, all or nothing thinking. If you teach your daughter that once she's had sex, she is now ruined or she has lost all chance to enter marriage properly, she has no reason to say no to sex anymore. Yeah. Because she's already done it. But if we teach our daughters instead, let's focus on wisdom. Then yeah, maybe she may have had sex, but that doesn't mean she has to have sex tomorrow. Mm-hmm. right she can start making new decisions yeah. um and and so we need to equip our daughters not to see their identity as in being what they did or didn't do or even what someone else did to them but instead what are the decisions that i am making today mm-hmm. not what i did yesterday but what am i doing today that is a gospel way to look at your life and somehow we lost that mm-hmm. And I've met women who heard those kind of messages and and because they thought that they made a mistake, they ended up getting married. And then it was marriage to the wrong person because they'd had, you know, sexual intimacy with that guy that they met in the youth or that they met at church. And it was too kind of shameful almost that, you know, because they had had sex, then they suddenly got married. And then a couple of years later, they got divorced because it wasn't the right decision. It wasn't a marriage that was meant to be, but because the shame of saying, actually, we're, you know, being physical, we're in a physical relationship, that shame was more and so much more intense that it actually causes two people to get married to each other that aren't ready, that aren't old enough, that maybe not meant to be together. And that's a huge decision. That's a huge, huge decision. Now, speaking of that, that also comes down to teachings, church teachings. And, you know, what can you do as a mom if maybe there's moms listening right now that that are going like, actually, I've heard a lot of these teachings in the church where I am. Maybe these are harmful teachings. What can moms do? Is it 
you know, it's not as simple as, okay, we're going to leave the church. We're going to leave this church that we are in. What can a mom do to really help her daughter if the church that they're in is teaching harmful messages and harmful stuff like this? Yeah, well, first of all, you may need to leave your church, depending on how harmful the church is. So <laughs> so I think we always need to be open to that and what the spirit leads, leads us to do. Um, but in She Deserves Better... A lot of, at the end of each chapter, we have conversations that moms can have with their daughters to talk through each of these issues, to talk through what boundaries look like, to talk through how to identify toxic people, um, what is consent, what are good dating rules, uh, what about modesty, you know, to talk through all of these things, even if the church is teaching your daughter something opposite. And then I would really, if if your daughter is in a youth group that's teaching her really bad stuff then you may want to get involved in that youth group. So you are there and you are hearing it and you Mm -hmm. can fight against it Um, or talk to your youth leaders about the book, have them read it because it's filled not just with my opinion. It's filled with, okay, look, if they believe this, this is what happens to these kids long-term. This Mm -hmm. is what we're doing to to girls long-term. And Jesus said that we can recognize teachings by their fruit because a good tree can't bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. If modesty messages, if the messages we're giving about how boys can't help themselves, so girls have to be the gatekeeper, if these messages have such bad fruit, then that's a sign to us, Jesus says, that they are not the right messages. They're not rooted in the gospel. And so we need to start having these conversations with our churches, with our youth leaders, with the other moms of the kids in the youth group. Let's speak up because our daughters deserve better than this. Thank you so much for that, Sheila. And I also wanted to say that it's just been an incredible time spent with you again. I can't believe that it's come to an end because I feel like I learn so much when we're together and also I just glean so much, but also I just feel so inspired and encouraged. I'm so grateful for yourself and for Rebecca as well, your daughter that was with you on this book again and just for the work that you're both doing it's so incredible and thank you for being a voice in our current generation so that we can stop these harmful messages and also stop the harmful stuff from us perpetuating that onto a generation after that because that is such a big reality that we had done to us I'm a millennial woman and so I know that the teachings that came down to me were from a generation above me and then we we want to stop doing that you know so I want to know where can people connect with you and listen to the podcasts that you do each week and also just connect and you've written nine books and you know eventually get a, a copy of She Deserves Better which is only coming out in April maybe a little bit later here in South Africa but will still be out there. So I want to know where can people get in touch with you, listening to the pod and also just connect with all the amazing books and the research that you've done. Sure. Well, you can find me at baremarriage.com. That's the main website. There's links to all my social media. I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So you can find those links there too. Our book, The Great Sex Rescue, which is based on our survey of 20,000 women is there. And that's a must read. And that is available now in South Africa. Uh, And then She Deserves Better should be out soon too. And of course, our Bear Marriage podcast every Thursday. So just go to baremarriage.com and you will find me. Mm, awesome. That is a must read book. I encourage everybody to read The Great Sex Rescue. I 
I think it is incredible. It's a read that you can do over and over and over again. I encourage you to have like girls groups to just talk about what's in there as well and just keep on sharing. And Sheila, again, thank you so much for being with me today. It's been such a blessing. And thank you again, like I said, for all this incredible work that you're doing. It is super cool. And I'm so inspired. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you and take care. It's always important for us to know what we believe, why we believe something and to be in a place in our lives always to be challenged and encouraged to look at our beliefs and sometimes what we have been taught or what we've even taught to others. And so I'm so grateful for Sheila joining me today to talk about, you know, modesty and purity and how this can look and what it should look like and how also to navigate through when we're maybe in a congregation or maybe a church or even maybe a Bible study or soul group that's teaching things not in line with the Bible, but can be very harmful to our children or maybe even harmful to ourselves. And I know that maybe for you sitting here listening, it is a challenge because sometimes, and for many of us, we've been brought up or raised in the purity culture movement. And I know, like I kept saying during the interview that, you know, the purity culture and the movement was really, really big when I was young and when I was growing up. And it was just something that really, really took hold of young millennials like me and maybe like you listening. And we were taught things that maybe we still struggle to overcome and and to get over with today. And so I really encourage you and just want to say to you that if that is your journey, I really pray that this time together on Voice of Change has been a time that has felt freeing to you, a time that has felt good to you, a time that has felt, well, maybe I can examine what I believe and know what I believe and and maybe I can look deeper at this and actually be set free from false beliefs and from you know harmful messages that have hurt my self-esteem that have hurt me in my relationships and even in my marriage and so I pray today that that truth and that hope is yours in abundance in Christ because that's what it really is about and you know Abba Father has come and said to us that he sent his son for us and his son came and said that he He set us free and where his spirit is, there we know there is liberty and freedom from all things. So I pray today that his grace, his mercy and his love will be abundantly yours and that you will know the hope and the faith that we have in Christ and the messages that he gives us are messages of freedom and that we can examine, like I keep saying, what we believe, maybe what we've been taught and to go, okay, actually, We can look at this and go, maybe these things that we have believed for so long are not part of the biblical truth. So maybe we need to exchange that. And I do encourage you as well, when Sheila's book, She Deserves Better, comes out at the end of April to go and grab a copy. Because I think it's going to be a great read, The Great Sex Rescue. Her previous book was an incredible revelation. We gave one away on Voice of Change last time. And it was just an incredible revelation of truth. So wherever you are today, may his grace and love continue to find you bless you and keep you in so many ways and until next week can't wait to be with you again take care and god bless this insert was brought to you by radio k pulpit 7 to 9 a.m please visit kpulpit.co.za